0: Amen, man. Well, it is an incredible thing just to be together in this way, and we just said some awesome things to the Lord. You know, I don't know if you're new to the church or not, but it's interesting as we gather together each week, and we, we just say things to God like, God, you um, sin has been broken, and um, we recognize that it's through Jesus Christ that we are given new life. I mean, that, that's really the message that we're, we're proclaiming. And so what we're doing today, kind of the big idea of today, is that in response to God's compassion, let us show compassion, right? This is what we're acknowledging. We're saying, God, in response to your compassion, we want to be people who show compassion. Here's the direction that I'm going to go. I want us to celebrate a bit today about what our church has been involved in uh, through this organization called Compassion International. And I pray also that our eyes will be opened to new ways of getting involved in uh, what God is doing through our partnership with this organization. I believe in it deeply, uh, partly because I see in Scripture where God has a special place in his, His heart for the underserved and underprivileged throughout the world. And so we as followers of Christ ought to have a special place in our hearts for the underserved and underprivileged throughout the world. Well, we have begun a relationship um, through Compassion International uh, helping children in Ecuador. Now, Ecuador is a beautiful country, but there are parts of Ecuador that are quite impoverished, and it's located on the northwest edge of South America, just a few hours away. And one reason we picked this country is because we wanted to find a place where we could send uh, people for a few days fairly easily. We also have a relationship with an organization in the Horn of Africa, but that's a little different ballgame. And to go to Ethiopia is a little more difficult than getting on the plane and going to Ecuador. And so now something very interesting happened uh, just a few months ago. Uh, My son was uh, uh, playing soccer. And another one of the boys on the team uh, have parents who are from Ecuador. And I know them not only from soccer, but also from uh, from the school that my uh, son attends. And, uh, and so Pablo and Marisol Gomez. And it's funny, we, we crossed paths quite a few times even prior to that at birthday parties and whatnot. And I had no idea that they were from Ecuador. And so over the course of uh, a few weeks, I began to share with Pablo about what we did in Ecuador. And he said, uh, that's you know, incredible. And, um, and so I asked them, uh, they've begun coming to our church. And so I asked them to help me share the story of Ecuador, to begin painting the picture in our minds of the kind of country that God has called us to help serve in this this special, special way, and so uh, to do that i 've asked Pablo and Marisol to come up and join me uh, this morning so let's let 's give them a warm welcome as they come up Thank you. this is uh, Pablo and Marisol and um, I uh thank you all for thank you all for being here. Welcome and um <clears throat> I uh it's been a real joy to get to know you all and it's been fun seeing you in the hall. Now I get to see you in the hall not only as a, a fellow parent and a teacher of my kids' school, but now you guys it's like hey church people. So it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. And I know you all have some family here too, so um welcome to you all. We're glad we're glad that you're here. Um it's a it's a real treat to have you here with us today. Um so I, I just wanna hear just a little bit about how you got from Ecuador to Houston.
1: Okay, the reason we came here was because of schooling. We were, I've always wanted to study in the United States. So, you know, once we got our scholarships, everything was said. We came, uh, I went to Indiana my first year. Pablo was in Beaumont then I transferred to Beaumont, and we've been here in Texas because of our school and jobs, pretty much. Yeah,
0: now I think I've heard that you came here on a tennis scholarship, right. is that right? Yeah. yeah. So you're yeah. being kind of humble school, but she was clearly a good athlete, and so Pablo was a smart man. Yeah. He, he uh, saw you and decided that uh, he was going to pursue you to be his wife, and uh, he begged and begged and begged and begged, <laughs> and, uh, and there, there we go. Well, wonderful. That, that's really great. Well, we're glad you made your way to Houston. Um, So tell us, what is it about Ecuador that you love the most? And it will help us to begin to fall in love with Ecuador in the way that we could.
1: Well, I mean, we just love our country. You know, it's really hard to put it into one word or a couple of words, but yesterday we were talking and we agreed that I think it's pretty much the warmth of the people. Mm. Uh, Ecuador welcomes anybody. Uh, When you go home, even for a visit, people just like, are you coming to my house? Are you coming to my house? I mean, we have invitations for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every time we're there. Um, The culture itself, uh, there's not one day that people are not trying to invite you to their home either you know just to hang around or just to have a meal just they just like to be welcoming very welcoming what do you
2: think well, i think it takes a lot of courage to be under that light to start yeah, you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the good thing uh, is you can't see anybody yeah you cannot yeah, see anything i guess that's where all inspiration for you comes, yeah, right? yeah that's right that's right well for um, for us to uh, Go to Ecuador, like everybody else, you know, there's no place like home. Yeah. So every time we go there, um, we just feel connected to our families, to our friends, and uh, like Marius will say, is that the warmth you get from, uh, you know, the people you were raised with, and even if you were not raised there, and if you go to visit, you know, they will treat you as uh, friends or family. There's a a very um, big development in the tourism, you know people, uh, the the country has uh, opened up uh, more the doors to tourists tourists. and there's a lot of uh, Europeans and Americans that travel, you know, to to get to know Ecuador uh, mainly because of the Galapagos Islands and the rainforest. There's also the Highlands, you know, where all the the mountain ranges are. So um, there's a variety of landscapes that people will go and visit. But at the same time, you know, the country has been going through a lot of um, economic hardship for many years, and that has created a lot of poverty, Mm -hmm. having a very big gap between the the social classes, having a a very small uh, upper class that pretty much owns the resources in the country, and a very big um, lower class that, you know... uh, Probably most of the majority has been under poverty. Mm. And um, with the last government we have, there's been an emphasis on that poverty. Mm. There's been seven years of this government, which um, we had never seen before. You know, a government like this that has uh, focused to the people. They're
0: trying to do something good. Trying to do something for the the ones that don't have.
2: Yeah. You know, and um, there's been a lot of discrepancy. But the government has changed a lot of that, you know, and Mm -hmm. and there's some uh, percentages of how the the changes have been done, you know, Mm -hmm. how things are going. Mm -hmm. But there's still a lot of of, uh, stuff that needs to be fixed Mm -hmm. and a lot of work to do. You know, there's uh, neighborhoods that are completely, you know, uh, some of those uh, kids might not even have what to eat on on days and days. And that creates a lot of social problems, you know. They become uh, later... uh, you know, uh, even criminals, you know, because they just don't find another way to solve their daily needs.
0: Right, right. Well, that's incredible. Well, I'm so glad that you are here and that you've been sharing. Let's give a warm uh, thank you to Pablo and So, That's interesting, right? And that's something that we see throughout the world, that though the landscape uh, is beautiful, that sometime in the shadow of these this beautiful landscape we have we have poverty and and i 'm glad to hear that about the government being conscious of that need and probably one of the reasons that compassion this organization that we work with is so able to get into uh, Ecuador is because the government allows them to and uh, and it 's a really a wonderful kind of beautiful thing and so um, there's there 's a problem throughout our world. Um, with disease and hunger. Listen to a few of these statistics just to give you a little bit of perspective kind of globally. Each day, a thousand children worldwide become infected with HIV and the vast majority of them are newborns. One person in seven battles every day with hunger. I mean, think about that. One person in seven battles every day with hunger. I mean we battle, you know, every three hours, right? until we get our next snack. Over one point four billion people in the developing world live below the poverty line. A dollar and twenty-five cents per day. Approximately one point eight million children die each year as a result of diseases caused by unclean water and poor sanitation. That's five thousand deaths a day. So I don't know about you, um, that stirs my heart. And we can't do everything about it, but we can do something about it. We can respond to God's compassion as it's been demonstrated to to us because of his generous sacrifice that sent Jesus to die so that we could have new life. So we as a church are going to respond. This is going to be a part of who we are. We're not just going to gather in this way and talk about how awesome God is, we are going to respond in a way that's practical and sacrificial. So let me pray for that for us. And this prayer is a famous prayer of Mother Teresa's who had a care for the marginalized. Lord, open our eyes that we may see in our brothers, we may see you in our brothers and sisters. Lord, open our ears that we may hear the cries of the hungry, the cold, the frightened, the oppressed. Lord, open our eyes that we may love each other as you love us. Renew in us your spirit. Lord, free us and make us one. Amen. As I mentioned in the Old Testament and throughout the Bible, there are people that clearly indicate that God has a compassion. Uh, for the fatherless and the widow and the foreigner and the the one that's afflicted with poverty. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds of verses in the Bible reveal this heart of God for the poor. And we must be ready to respond when these needs come across our path. As I've mentioned, we can't meet every need, but we must be ready when these needs come across our path. And so the question for you today is, will you show compassion or will you walk on by? Open up your Bible to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, just lift up your hand and we will be happy to get you one. Andrew, could you, um, thank you. Uh, There's a couple here in the back that don't have a Bible. And I'll even tell you what page it's on. Luke chapter 10 is on page uh, 869. It's a familiar story. It's called the Parable of the Good Samaritan. So I just want to tell you what this passage says. Luke chapter 10 verse 25 is where it begins. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But the lawyer desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Now, it's interesting as we pause here and think about the the response of this lawyer. He he should have asked Jesus, well, how can I do this? I'm not able to love my neighbor in this way. The lawyer uh, could have acknowledged sort of this impossible standard. Now, I should mention that this impossible standard that Jesus sets out It really is impossible to love God fully and love others fully, right? Unless our hearts are changed. We need God to change our hearts so that we can love in this way. And that happens through uh, repentance of sin and placing our faith in Jesus Christ and beginning that new life where God gives us a new heart. Well, this lawyer is trying to justify himself. uh, and, And so he says, well, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells him a story. Look at verse 30. Of Luke chapter 10. Jesus replied, well, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, this this path is a treacherous 17-mile stretch of road where robberies frequently occur. So it would have been familiar to them as they heard about this journey. So this man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, pause there. What should the priest have done? Stopped to help him. But here's what the priest did. He passed on by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, also a spiritual leader in this community, what what should he have done? He should have stopped to help him. But when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. And when Jesus says these things about the priest and the Levi, uh, it would have really gotten all over those listeners because they, they knew that what Jesus was saying was that they looked religious. But clearly in a moment where their sh- hearts should have responded, what it revealed was that their hearts were hardened to the things that God cares about. They appear religious, but they're clearly not loving God and loving others. But there's a third man in Jesus' story. He's a man who sees the need. Now, something that you should know about the man we're about to read about, he was a Samaritan. And the Samaritans were hated by the Jews because they were different ethnically. And there's a history there, but the Jews hated the Samaritans. And so the Jewish listeners to Jesus' story are about to hear that this Samaritan, someone that they hated was about to love God and love others in a way that their priests and their Levite uh, did not. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had what? Compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. Whatever you, more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be my neighbor, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the lawyer responded, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Well, the answer to the question, who is my neighbor, is clearly the person with need whose path you cross. And what we want to do is lead you down a road to cross paths with needy children in Ecuador. Jesus applauds the compassion of the Samaritan for two reasons. First of all, this Samaritan took the time to recognize the need. He stopped. I mean, all of you are busy. We're all busy, right? We have lots of things going on. In our lives, we must stop, take the time to recognize a need. He also applauds the effort of the Samaritan because of the sacrificial giving he made. And I don't know about you, if you're like most people, you feel a little like tight financially. And so anytime something comes up that goes, that, that would require you to give sacrificially to help me to need, you feel a little stressed and a little tense and what I'm saying to you is that a proper response to the compassion that God has shown you is to be sacrificial in your giving to the needs that are around us. Which may mean you have to give up something. You know, in Compassion International, uh the cost is 30 uh 8 I can't remember. Okay, $38 a month. And uh for me and Jeannie and our family, that's basically a, a trip to Jason's Delhi. One of those a month. To not do that, to see God use us to meet the need of somebody on the other side of the world is quite incredible. Our church values uh, global impact, and part of our strategy is to restore globally. And we send people and resources all over the world. We talked last week about uh, our work in the Horn of Africa. And last week, if you weren't here, we as a church decided to support our work in Africa with a gift of $15,000. And that comes from the generous ongoing giving of the people that are a part of our church. So we really believe in God's mission being played out through us to help people in other parts of the world. Our our, our church does have a heart of compassion. I've seen it time and time again, and it makes me so proud to be the pastor of you all. Uh, And many in our church have recognized uh, this need in underdeveloped countries and responded by choosing to sponsor children through Compassion International. And uh, so we actually have a picture of some of the children that are sponsored through the people of our church. Each of these children. Are sponsored by people within our church. Isn't that incredible? So even as I talk about this, it's like whoa! Like God is uh, clearly uh, doing something to to uh, help us to respond in this way. Some of these children are from Ecuador. Last year, when we did a Compassion Sunday, we had quite a number of children sponsored, and so we have just since last year, probably doubled the number of kids that are sponsored from the people in our community of faith. And I feel so proud, and I feel like it's a proper response. And I want you to know something. like Typically, when Compassion Sunday happens in churches, they expect that, that one out of 10 people that are in attendance will, will, um, will sponsor. And what, what I have a heart for is normalizing the sponsorship of children so that uh, one out of 10 people won't You know what I mean? So nine out of 10 people will sponsor kids in our partnership through Compassion International. Um, I can't tell you the stories of all these kids, but I can tell you a little bit about my own story. So for more than a decade, my wife and I have sponsored a a child from Tanzania, Africa. So this isn't just talk. This is something that my wife and I have done for uh, quite a few years. We have seen Philharmonic grow, from being a boy, like the boys in these pictures, four or five years old, to now he is a young man, 20 years old. He's gone from being poverty-stricken to a child with hope. Truly, we have been used by God to help release Philharmonic from poverty in Jesus' name. Now, just two days ago, we received a letter from Philemoni. This is part of the thing with compassion is you write a letter to them, they write a letter to you. And as a part of this letter, he says something that makes every month that I was looking at my checking registry and figuring out how we were going to make it and considering canceling my partnership or my sponsorship of Philharmonic, all of those months where I thought, you know, it'd be easy just to call compassion and say, you know what? We can't do this anymore. Things are too tight, but we didn't. It makes every one of those months for all these years worth it. Here's what he says. Um, I am writing this letter while I'm full of joy and happiness by the grace of God. At the moment, I am at home planning to go to vocational college. I mean, this is huge. It's a game changer for him. Game changer for one human being in another part of the world. Now, I've not yet met i and not been to Tanzania, but last year I did have the opportunity to go to Kenya to meet another young woman we just began sponsoring. This is Lillian. I spent the day with Lillian as I was in Kenya, and it was in incredible kind of a day. At first, I just scared her, I'm sure. Uh, I just like this gigantic white guy. And by the end of the day, we were walking around holding hands. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. We just began sponsoring her 12 months ago. So I've done something different with Lillian, though, than we did in the early days of the Philomony. What I've done with her is I've tried to keep up with writing her letters, because what I realized while I was there is that Many people sponsor, only a few people write them letters and the things that is the most important to these kids is the letter that you write. In fact, while I was there, I was in the Kenyan Compassion office and there was a box um, where they're sorting out the letters sent. See how empty those boxes are? And so part of our passion as a church is not only to get kids sponsored, but it's just to remind you like your letters matter. Oftentimes you'll go to these sites where these compassion programs are and there'll be children and they'll bring to you their notebooks. And and, uh, you'll, you'll see one child with a thick notebook with a lot of letters and you'll see one child with a notebook with one or two. This is a proper response to the compassion that God has shown us, not only to sponsor kids, but to stay involved in their lives. So today, I want to invite you to respond in this way. I want to invite you to get involved in what's going on in Ecuador. Why? Because there is a need, and it just makes sense. And there's the thing about Ecuador is we can visit there easily. In fact, in this year, I hope to plan a trip where you'll be able to go. And like I said, one reason I picked Ecuador because it's fairly easy to get to, and I, I want to pick a place in the world to go as a church that, that my wife can go to. And we have four children, and so for her to be gone for you know 14 days to the Horn of Africa is not as realistic as me being gone there, but for her to be gone for four or five days to Ecuador is is quite likely. So I want for you to think about getting involved in that way too. And I believe so much in... And sending people from our church to, to serve on um, these kinds of trips that we as a church are still trying to figure out how we're going to help you to get there financially. So we are committed to Restore Global. My question for you is, do you feel God compelling you to sponsor a child from Ecuador? I'm hoping that today we can get eight or 10 more kids sponsored so that this can become a normalized thing in our community of faith. Now, you say, I already sponsor one. What I would say to you is, you know what? I wonder if God might be leading you to sponsor another. Make that a part of your home. You say, I you know some of you are the skeptics in the room, and you say, you know what? I know how these organizations work. You send them $38 a month, and you use 33 of it on administrative costs. I've been there. I've kicked the tires. That's why I went to Kenya last year. I look behind the scenes, and it is a well-run organization. And most of what you give goes to, goes to directly impact that child. What do they get through your sponsorship? Well, they get eight hours a week of education. They get uh, a nutritious meal. They get some medical services. They get hope. That's it. Will you respond? Do you feel God moving you to? Let's let's pray together.